So it's the uh, first time I'm live streaming here. And basically what we want to do is make this into a morning pre-market show, roughly from 8.30 till 10.30. And we're looking at the pre-market open. We're looking at all the economic data that comes in. And basically a calmer collected CNBC. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll go over the news. What I'm usually going to do is pull out a bunch of articles that I like and then we'll kind of go through them. We'll do a TLDR on them. I'll then provide some analysis on them. And then of course, if this chat room gets going, we can actually talk back and forth. Uh, as always, uh, nothing here is to be construed as financial advice and no relationship is being inferred between me and you. So uh, let's look at the first one here. Inflation accelerates in Canada to inflation. All right, let's look at this one. Inflation accelerates in Canada to the fastest since pandemic hit. Now, what do we got here? All right, just got it. The uh, BTC to cross 20K. So what are you going to do? That's going to basically be the uh, big news of the day. Boom, 20,337. Looking good. Okay. So um, here is the uh, core inflation that um, the Statistics Canada people look at and then the Canadian Central Bank is probably looking at as well. And the average core inflation measure often sees as a better gauge of underlying held steady. So once again, this is similar to the economic stuff that we're seeing here in America is that we're seeing inflation in food, inflation in energy. These things are kind of moving about. And of course, energy went down a little bit. So they're also seeing it point uh, below their 2% inflation rate. What are you going to do? Inflation does not seem to be showing up in Western economies. Let's see what else is going on here. All right, like it, Vanguard makes history with the first $1 trillion equity fund. So what's happening here again is we're talking about passive investing really taking over active investing and they've got a trillion bucks under here and this is their VOO, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund. And in fact, they're doing so good that they're kind of giving a big push to uh, State Street and they've got the SPY. And Vanguard, I think, is almost 66% cheaper than what State Street is. Um, I guess we could look up what those um, management fees are, but Vanguard is a lot cheaper than what State Street is. And here's an interesting chart. We see this dip down here, right at the recession. People left ETFs. Let's see if we can change the screen here. And what do we have here? So we're seeing a crash here, 08, of course. And then the suckers moving up, moving up. Some stuff happened early 2015. We had the energy crisis. Oil was going nuts, downwards. And then we move up here. Here comes the uh, Trump election. Boom, boom, boom. Here is old boy COVID here. And then here we are now. So basically, what is this guy arguing? Let's see. And what he seems to be arguing is the following. So index funds are going to continue becoming bigger and bigger. Passive index funds, of course, are going to get bigger and bigger. Uh, there was some news earlier last week 
where they show that Vanguard had actually conducted a $7 billion swap with someone else in their ETF. The uh, report, I, I can't find it right now, but basically the report indicated that this little leap here is happening. And what that basically means is that $7 billion were swapped. So the ETF did not sell all of that outright. They basically conducted this block sale for some large institutional holder. And that's essentially the key point here is that uh, whatever the article was I was reading, that Vanguard now is actually becoming a place where large institutional players are parking their money when they're looking for exposure in the broad S&P 500. So active management is being done basically in shop and whatever the passive management component is, they're just leaving it to Vanguard because Vanguard is so cheap that it's okay for these large funds to eventually park money in there to just kind of hang out and have exposure to the S&P 500. So that's the uh, story on this sucker here. What else do we have here? Is anyone in the chat here? Anyone watching me? Am I still here solo? I think I'm here solo, talking to myself. Hello, hello, talking to myself. Okay, what else do we got? Let's go look at some other cool things. Um, what's Wall Street Journal up to? All right, retail sales fell 1.1% in November. Let's see, the decline marked a first drop in seven months as consumers held back on early holiday spending, all right? Um, they're gonna link us out to the actual retail sales number. Let's look into the sucker. This is what I always like to look at, $546 billion. That's what you and I spent in the system in the month of November, 550. 2 billion point five was revised in October and they took it down just a tad. So the retail sales number uh, is a very important number because it measures basically what you and I are doing. What are we doing? We're buying and selling stuff. And here we go. They do a granular study. They go down into all these things. I've actually done a video on retail sales. Check it out. And electronics and so on and so forth. Let's see. What do we got going on here? Adjusted, non-adjusted. If anyone is in the room, can you let me know? How is the quality here? Are the lights too bright? Am I shining too much? I didn't shave today. We'll do that when we go live for real. So um, if anyone's in the room, I would appreciate you letting me know if indeed you can see stuff properly. Can you hear me fine? And all these other good things. All right, now we're sounding like those guys on Twitch. Um, okay, so retail sales numbers are down. This year, make sure you go to the census website. They break it down at a, what well, I was saying earlier, got distracted, granular level. So here's the October number, here's the November. Oh, this is of last year, November 19th, so October here. Uh-huh. All right. So we're going to see this chart everywhere. 
retail sales going up, going up, and then boom, in aggregate, they collapsed when everything got shut down earlier this year. And then we had that crazy spike back. Now, the question is going to be, are we doing retail sales on, where are these numbers actually going up? And are they going up for clothing? Are they going up for entertainment dollars? Are they going for restaurant dollars? And of course, those answers are no. The bulk of the money is being spent on our day-to-day -day living. And this is going to shift how profit margins are going to be coming for other things in the subsequent quarters here when the earnings come up. So keep a lookout for that. Okay. Anyone here? Anyone here? What else are we looking at? Let's go to something more exciting. Let's check out what's happening on the Twitter storm. All right. This is my Twitter feed. Few people I'm following. This guy's funny here, Jerome Powell. I have done a DCF valuation discount cash flow on the $100 bill and derived a price target of 69 for 2021. So the guy got jokes. Okay. This guy's barking, basically breaking Bitcoin crossed 20,000. That's great. Let's see how much more has it moved since our last look at it. Another 140 bucks. Um, do you guys like stock quits? All right, so all these pikers here are going to be nuts. Look at this. It's broken because there's so much volume here. People are going nuts. 6,000. I think Bitcoin goes to 40,000, and that's when the actual global macro push is going to come in. Um, up to that point, I think this moves here and there, but it's freaking awesome. There it goes. 40,000 coming, crossing 20,000. Uh, this guy here is talking about retail sales craps out. Bond market barely cares. So... This is worth exploring. So here we've got the 10 year yield, boom. And he's uh, basically looking at it from throughout the day here. And this is a retail sales number, nothing. Basically his argument is George Gonz Gon Goncalves, George. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Basically, the argument is that if retail sales have come in, the yields should actually go down because people are going to panic and they're going to say, you know what, the economy is coming to an end and where am I going to go? So retail sales, when they go up, bond yields should go up, whatever. Is anyone here watching me? Hello, hello. All right. So this is fun talking to myself. Basically, okay, let's finish this up because we did start it. So what his argument I'm assuming here is going to be that, hey, the 30-year, the 10-year yield did not budge that much. And in fact, it continued pointing higher. It should actually be falling is what his argument is because there is confusion, there's fear. Therefore, things are not looking good. But he's saying, hey, it's not happening. Okay, um, this guy's awesome. Uh, here's our girl, Mrs. Danielle DeMartino Booth. Very good Fed analyst. She's got that book, Fed Up. I recommend it as a read. And she is a little bit Debbie Downer all the time type of deal. But I think it comes a little bit from the fact that she's worked at the Federal Reserve. She's seen these people in action. And she knows how much, I guess, they are not connected to our day-to-day -day living. So I think she's trying to be a Cassandra and kind of bring the noise out to us and say, the Fed is not as prepared or sophisticated as we think it may be. But if the Fed is friggin' 
launching all this money out there, does it really matter what the Fed is, if it's connected or not connected? Because they've got the printing press and they're rocketing. So I recommend uh, checking her posts out. She's got that Quill intelligence thing going on. Um, let me see. What do I want to look at here? I want to... Okay, here we go. So Tilray and Aferia, they want to combine. That's bound to happen. A uh, colleague of mine, a friend of mine was looking at, basically looking at the question, which is the best MJ stock to own? And frankly, at this time, because this market is so fragmented and things don't make a lot of sense, it would actually be in one's interest, no recommendations are being provided here, by the way, is to look at that standard ETF because that has broad exposure in all of these. And there are only five or six companies that they're invested in. So by you picking one company, you're basically trying to do a crapshoot. This entire sector is going to rise or collapse together. So it would make more sense to be in that ETF and enjoy the benefits that come from that rather than trying to be stuck in one particular stock because this is going to be moving up. The MJ industry is going to be moving up. These are just the starting days. Um, and trying to identify one key winner, that's where you know, your value-based investors and these other active managers are going to come in and ain't nothing wrong with that. But if one is just thinking that MJs are going to go up, you kind of want to... What is their symbol? I forgot. Yep. It is MJ. Okay. Let's look at them. <clears throat> Let's check out their... I want to look at basically their top 10 holdings and you'll see what I was saying. Here is their summary prospectus that should have it, I guess, but shouldn't they have it out here clearly listed right away? Boom. Check it out. Look, they have 5.49 Tilray, 10.05 Furia, Kronos, Aurora, Canopy, CGC. They've got it all in here and they've given it basically a bank exposure with this guy in the center saying that this is the winner of the industry. So, you know, unless you're out there, you know, messing with those uh, OTCs, it just makes sense to kind of be stuck in this uh, ETF and uh, you write it out. And that's what a lot of people are probably doing. I'm looking at their expense ratio here. Where is it? Do I have anyone watching me? Anybody? Nobody's watching me. Good. All right, stock twits is still stuck. Boom, this sucker's moving, huh? 25 now, 20,500. All right, um, where else can we go? Let's go to BLS. Let's check out what's happening here with Bill Clinton real quick. So here's something, Trump's Mar-a-Largo, they're basically now saying that, yo, it's okay to kind of have you coming here when you were the president of the country. But now if you come here as an individual citizen, we kind of don't want you hanging out there because Trump has actually signed a lot of legal paperwork with them, uh, with the city of Palm Beach saying that basically that he was not going to use that place as a primary residence. So if he's not going to be using that place, or excuse me, if he now wants to use that place as a primary residence, what's going to happen? Secret Service that um, if oh all right I've got a uh, Justin here hola Justin 
Um, if you could help me out, Justin, how is the uh, sound quality? Is everything coming through? Is it too bright? Not too bright? This is uh, my first, uh, what do you call it, uh, stream here, just testing things out today. And um, we'll wait for Justin to respond. Um, so yeah, so basically Mar-a-Lago Mar is now saying, you know, bounce, we don't want you there. So it's going to be interesting. Is the president going to be able to claim this thing as his residence all over again? Or is he going to find another city to live in? Because there's no way in hell he's going to convert this back into a, you know, a individual residence. This is a country club now. And um, so it's going to be interesting how cities now kind of take revenge on him uh, for the other things he's done. All right. Um, so I wanted to go to BLS. <clears throat> all right, let's Justin. All right. Thank you. Is there anything you want to talk about or you want me to look at? Do you want to discuss something you want or should I just continue what I'm doing? Looking at stuff uh, at a global macro level, just kind of flirting through all the different um, economic sites. So you let me know if there's something you want to talk about. Let's do it. Um, I like the BLS website. They've got this publication here called the Economics Daily. So they mail it to you. Might as well sign up for it. Uh, basically something about the economy that the BLS is measuring. And it gives you a very good insight about the entire strength of the US economy and all those itty bitty variables, those nuances that are moving in the market. I think it's important as a trader, as an investor to have a very good understanding of what the nuances of the economy are, because if you kind of don't understand what the cogs are, you're not going to be able to understand what those data points mean. So when we saw retail sales today, you know, we could freak out and say, hey, the retail sales are horrible. What do we do? We die. And then did you see that guy when he said, well, the bond market didn't crash? Well, why didn't it crash? Because if you go into the retail sales, you'll see certain areas that were actually improving, certain areas that we were expecting to be bad, continue to be bad. So no big surprise. And that comes from understanding the granular nature. So what do we have here today? Four, 5.8 million, 5.1, 2020, okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, all right. Okay. This is a separation versus a uh, addition hires thing. So how many people got laid off? How many got fired? So the October number was 5.8 million total hired and total separations were 5.1 million. So there was a 0.7 net gain, 700,000. And it's kind of telling us that which would be, so let's venture. <clears throat> Excuse me. So trade transportation utilities, boom, 1.27. This is in millions of hires and 1.18 in babais. Makes sense. What is this? Why is there nothing more? Mining and lodging. Very few hires, increasing separations. That makes sense logically. And we kind of see what is this? Professional services. They did some hirings, did some separations. Okay. Leisure and hospitality starting to wake up. So that industry is eventually going to come back. I talked about it in another video where these cruise ships, they are friggin' ready. They're ready to go. All right, Justin just said something. I like it. Thank you, Justin. Um, I'll bounce up here. Okay. Uh-huh. 
So, let, well, let's, uh, Justin is watching Bitcoin. I don't know if he's actually watching me right now, but what are your thoughts here, Justin? I am here at StockTwits. Uh, we are headed to 20,500, 20,600, 21. Earlier, I said that I think that the market doesn't really get crazy at it until we hit this 40,000 mark. I think it's too early in the game. And let's do a Google Trend thing, which uh, we see other people do all the time. And we look at the term Bitcoin, how much is it being searched over the past 12 months? And we see that there really isn't that much of a move here, was there? Um, let's go back to say 90 days. And surprising, so there is not a lot of Bitcoin activity at the retail level. And why, you know, guys and gals look up at this number, <clears throat> excuse me, at this Google trend number is basically they're trying to say that if a bunch of people are now looking at it, that should induce a crazier bull market. And also if a bunch of people are looking at it, that also means that retail traders and the, you know, the quote unquote, the non-sophisticated players are looking at it. Therefore, the thing is probably going to crash. So that's the way which large institutions like to think about this. And so here's that crazy spike here. That's, of course, the Bitcoin uh, rally of 2017. And we've had nothing here. So here we are. Bitcoin, again, at that same price it was in 2017, in fact, above it. But check this out. We are nowhere close to it in terms of search volume or people looking at it. So a lot of guys, especially on Twitter, they keep arguing that because no one is really talking about it, uh, expect Bitcoin to keep going up and up. We'll see. All right, here is uh, Swapnil. Uh, hello there. Uh, I don't have any uh, specific take on the Indian markets there, Swapnil, uh, but I can speak at a global macro. I think emerging markets continue to be hot. I think once all this COVID things settle down, the India is going to move, that Nifty is moving like crazy. Let's see. So um, I, I don't follow India that much, actually. Um, but just speaking from a global macro perspective, okay, the consumer is continuing to consume. The same things that are happening in America will happen in India is that when we look at our retail sales number, for example, that came out today, is that when the negative effects of COVID start disappearing, the consumer goes back and starts buying stuff all over again. And in fact, they may go back and buy it with a little bit more aggression, meaning they want to spend more money. So I think um, global markets as a whole are going to continue going up. Um, but specifically, I can't speak much about uh, Indian markets. I just have not followed them. Um, okay. And in fact, it would be fun. Let's go here. <clears throat> what should we look at? First of all, I like this chart here, the Indian rupee. Look at this sucker. So if you're following the markets, you know what's happening here. Um, let's look at Tata Motors. Are they still around? Of course they are. TTM. Here is their five-year. Boom. Not too hot. Year to date, we're moving, wow, 300%-ish so far. Six months. Holy moly. So, so this is a, uh, frankly, you know, without even me trying to go look at the details of it, why did this thing move up this much? This is the 
kind of thesis of what I was saying is that when the consumer is out spending money again, it's going to go nuts. How was the, the uh, Diwali season in India this year? Did they spend a lot of money or did people kind of stay home? Okay, so what else do we got here? So BLS is a site I like to look at. Um, let's go to our market watches. What do we got here? Excuse me. All right, Groupon stock. You know what, actually, it's okay. We'll continue ADD Inc. today. I wanna look at this guy here. Um, I wanna go back to my feed. Look at tweets and replies. So this guy here, all right, Walter Bloomberg, he basically, to me, looks like what this guy is doing is he's uh, just reposting stuff that comes off the uh, Bloomberg feed. But it's okay because he gives us good information. So this is something. Price target changes. So check this out. Google, the airlines, Gilead, Lyft, Uber, another airline, entertainment. So there are some price changes happening to the upside. And then what I found interesting was that the downgrades are kind of the same downgrades, just someone else is doing it on the other sector. So oh, you're welcome, Mr. Uh, Swapnil. Um, so <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little sore throat here. So the point basically is that one group of guys are saying we want to increase Delta Airlines. We're going to give it a price bump, the price target change. And at the same time, they're saying JP Morgan is saying that we are going to kind of downgrade UAL. This is that same gimmick of the sector is going to be moving to the upside. So what they're not trying to do is calibrate themselves and say that, well, within that sector, which one do we think will make the greatest improvement in earnings and which ones may kind of lag behind? So this is why this is kind of contra uh, indicative, I guess, that they like airlines, but they're gonna say that, you know what, I like Delta over United, when frankly, the whole sector is gonna move and when it moves, it all moves together. So this is how they hedge it. This is why they make those multiple zeros behind their income stream there, all bullshitting. Okay. So um, what else can we look at? What else can we look at? All right, let's talk about this. So um, I wonder what your thoughts are on this uh, to whoever is watching. So the S&P is going to be uh, bringing in, I think on the 21st, uh, Elon Musk and company into the S&P 500, all right? So, well, we don't even have to get too unique about this. Let's just go look at the Google chart here. So look at this. Boom, 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 right? We go from almost nothing, $30 a share, all the way to where we are now. And the point that someone raised is that this entire gain to the upside, the S&P 500 ignored in its entirety because at that time, Tesla was not or had no even, you know, uh, qualifications to be part of the S&P 500. But now when it is essentially at all time global historic valuations and all these other things, 
they're adding it to the index and basically the buyers of the index are taking on all the downside that may be coming but gained none of the upside that came when essentially when they missed the entire tesla boat so this is one of the uh, fundamental problems of index fund investing is that we are beholden to how the fund is structured and we are beholden to how the additions and subtractions happen so i think that's a very valid point that people are raising is that the s p 500 is basically taken on a grenade and it said we will put it inside our portfolio and then when this thing goes kaput because i think it eventually will the holders of that index have more downside exposure than they have upside exposure so one of the problems in index fund investing and uh, another fellow on twitter had a very good point that because tesla has such a higher beta compared to the s p 500 and we can get that beta uh i think yahoo finance has it clearly listed Okay, so here is their beta beta. So look at this. So it's almost 2x the index itself. So the argument is that this high beta is actually going to come in and cause mispricings within the S&P 500 complex. And he was looking at the SPX, which is the option trade that happens. And um, basically he was saying that because of Tesla's addition into the S&P 500, the uh, IV, the implied volatilities, on options in the SPX are actually going to go up. Um, if anyone here has any experience on that, ch chime in and let's talk about that. So what else is going on? Um, let's go a little bit more macro. Let's go to, and of course the market is now open. Bitcoin is bumping teladoc down pharmaceuticals tillery whatever we'll log into the things later on um what is this so at the much higher level you know we have general news here fed closes out wild year of bond buying okay so it's doing stuff here I've got this here okay so um, what I'm going to do is bring this to an end I just wanted to test things out I'm gonna be doing this a lot more on the regular every day or maybe three times a week let's start at that three times a week um, so whoever came and watched me thank you I see a Justin here of course thank you Justin thank you Swapnil and whoever else came and saw me so this is just a test we're going to fill this out basically my long-term goal here is that i think that a news network a analysis network is needed and i think um that's what i'm trying to create so we'll see what we can kind of organize um all right i wish you all well i'll talk to you soon i'm gonna turn this off now